Welcome to the Healing the City podcast. The following podcast is a ministry of the Village Church in Tucson, Arizona. If you wish to support the Healing the City podcast, you can go to the show notes, click support the show, and you can become a subscriber for three, five, or ten dollars a month. This will help offset the hosting costs and continue the ministry of Healing the City podcast. Also, if you wish to support the show, we really encourage you to rate us on Apple and Spotify and other places that podcasts are listened to, and give us a good review. Thanks. Welcome to the Healing the City podcast. My name is Pastor Eric Seepin, and the following three podcasts are an interview that I did with Stephen Bejarano from the Village Church. I really hope you enjoy his story um, over the next few weeks. Um, so, okay, so you're like 18 now, and mm-hmm. when, so when did you meet Michelle, Had that? Yeah, so I met Michelle probably about eight years later. Um, okay, so, wow, so, so we, so there's still these eight years. There's a big gap, What happened yeah. those eight years before you met Michelle? What, was, what were you doing? What was... Yeah. What did life look like? Yeah, life was weird for a while. So I was still kind of around Scottsdale area. Um, I When I had moved out, it was like right around turning 17. And so I moved in with my best friend for a while, but he was still at his parents' house. So right. I was living with him. And then I had a girlfriend that lived right across the street from him. So I would stay there quite a while too. Like, And after I graduated, I mainly stayed with her. Then I got to a point where I'm like, the relationship wasn't working out it wasn't making sense like we were still good friends but i also felt like i was just staying in that relationship because her house was my home and that's not a healthy reason to just stay with somebody right and i was mature enough at you know 18 to realize that and then also pushed me out to go you know get my own apartment we ended up breaking up and then i had to work to sustain all of these bills while also still trying to be a kid have fun but figure out my life and so um i worked at Subway for a while there until maybe I was like 18 and a half, 19, realized, okay, you're not going to make a living, you know, making sub sandwiches. So what are you going to do? Ended up getting a job at a place called Lamps Plus, which was like a, um, you know, furnishing company. They do like light fixtures and things like that. And I was just a stock boy. I would, you know, go get deliveries and drop off you know, chairs or light fixtures, chandeliers to people's houses or pull down boxes of fans for the sales ladies. Uh, I did that for like a year and I was like, this is not it either. Like I need to to figure something out. And so actually while I was at work, when things were slow, I was kind of scrolling through Indeed and and Monster and job boards. And I found an opportunity with a company that was coming to start a, a new location in Scottsdale, which was Topgolf. Um, so yeah, so now like things start to get a little bit more real for me. Um, end of 2013, I do my first interview for them and they're trying to hire people to, um, build the, build the facility, like the grass and the targets and install basically. Right. So I'm like 1920 at that time and, um, got the job somehow got the job I was like this is a cool opportunity I, I've never really done construction or manual labor work but this will be cool so I um, 
you know, labored through that. It was a nice pay bump. Um, I finally actually had a little bit of money left over every check to like do things with. It wasn't all going to bills. And, you know, I had about two years of practice, you know, budgeting and and planning. So it was nice, but it was also brutal. We would wake up at like 4am and we would get done at like 4pm and I would just be exhausted and we have to do it all over again the next day, six days a week. Wow. And so uh, my friends and my girlfriend at the time were like, I don't want you to keep doing this. Like, you don't look good. Like, I was just burnt to toast. Like, I was, you know, because we we're out in the sun all day, every day doing this. Right. Um, but I was like, no, I'm not going to give up on this. Like, we, because we got to do the rollout and then we were given jobs on the maintenance team once the place opened sure. and it was such a cool idea and it was such an awesome place back then like there was only i think eight or nine of them in the united states at the time and so i was like this is going to be such a cool job like i just got to get through right. this install piece that's kicking my butt and it's going to be a really good opportunity for me and then you know there was all this talks about you know growth and being able to move up to management roles and being able to transfer to other locations and so I was like, this sounds like a real career opportunity for me. Like, I need to just stick this out. And so I made it through the install, and I actually, um, you know, demonstrated that I was really good with computers. I made a lot of friends on the team who were then, you know, put into management positions once the install team left and went on to open up the next site. And so I got really close with the guy who actually ended up being the facility manager, and he knew me and saw me and my skills with technology. Because uh, like we had talked about before we started, you know, I used to do a lot of home audio and, and music recording. And I've just always been a tech nerd my whole life because my mom was in the IT industry as well. Right, right. And so that ended up playing a big advantage for me because one of the three quote unquote leadership positions that were available was the lead of technology on the maintenance team. And they ended up giving me that position um, once we opened. And so that really springboarded my career in tech and got me kind of into the field. Um, And so I was with them for about two years. And, you know, mind you, this whole time still smoking, right? Um, Still self-medicating. And um, And now you have money. Now I have money to do it, right? And so, um, but also a little bit more maturity. And then, you know, the whole um, legalization movement was going on where, you know, I had my medical card now. So like, I really could justify it because even if I got pulled over by a police officer or, you know, out in the open, it was like, here's my card, leave me alone. I'm allowed to actually have this. Right. Um, so also more danger getting into it, you know, building that habit even further and, um, Colorado recreationally legalized in, I think 2015, 2016. And so I had some friends out there and they were actually in the industry and they're like, come, come to Colorado. Like you should come check this out, get involved. Right. And so, you know, being super into, to that, it's like, yeah, me and my buddy, sure. Quit top golf, packed all our stuff in my little car, drove to Colorado, moved there for about 10 months and, um, you know, got a job on a farm, you know, getting into the MMJ industry. I thought, you know, this would be a really good career move. Um, wrong, wrong, wrong decision there for multiple reasons. Um, but was out there for about a year, just missed all my friends, missed my family, did not do well in a Colorado winter being, you know, an Arizona born and bred boy. Um, shoveling, you know, (laughs) ice and snow off the driveway just to get to work in the morning was not something that I'll ever want to do again. Um, And so I kind of hit this fork in the road and was like, well, dang, I really had a good thing going with Topgolf and like building my career. And I just kind of dropped it to come out here. Now I want to go home 
what am I going to do? And uh, I got to the point eventually where I was just telling my mom, like, I want to come home. I don't know what to do. And she's like, just come home. You'll figure it out. Um, you know, come back to Arizona, just get another job and, and you'll figure it out. And so I ended up um, finally just coming home after about a year, stayed on a buddy's couch for two months, uh, got a job serving and um, ended up moving into like a server manager, supervisor role um, at Roadhouse Cinemas Mm -hmm. for maybe a year, a little bit more than a year, made some really good friends, brought some of my high school friends in to do some work for me on the team. So I felt like I was doing some good, you know, helping people get jobs and things like that. But I also, um, looked around at some of the, the people that were around me and I was like, you know, I don't want to be 40, 50 years old, waiting tables. I want to get back to trying to build a career for myself. I think IT is the way to do that. And so that same buddy that gave me uh, the lead of technology job at Topgolf actually reached out to me and he was like, hey, I'm actually traveling with Topgolf now. I'm building a bunch of different sites. We're coming to Tucson. Would you be interested? And I was like, this is it. Like, this is my opportunity to get back and I'm not going to mess it up this time, right? Like, I'm going to actually do it. So again, Packed all my stuff, left all my friends, uh, came down here to Tucson in 2017, 2017, 2018, whenever this one opened up on Ina Road up yeah. here. Um, and I did the same thing all over again. So you had to do the burn. Did it all again, oh, man. It's, it's just oh a my. cyclical, <laughs> oh man. So did that, did that for, you know, the two and a half, three months that, that go into it. And I was literally just gunning for that technology role again. Like I yeah. figured that's what I was going to do. But because I had done it before and I had actually done it in Colorado on a travel trip with them um, before, I kind of knew all the ropes and I knew way more about it than anybody other than the the two bosses that were leading the rollout. Um, some of the guys on the team, you know, liked me again, extroverted, talk all the time, um, would kind of keep spirits up on out there. Um, some of them thought that I was going to go for the manager or the assistant manager role because there was three, right. those two positions plus the lead of technology role. And I ended up thinking about it and I was like, well, why not shoot for the stars? Why not, you know, try to go, go above and beyond? But I've never been a super handy guy, right? Like I'm really good with the keyboard. You give me a drill and a hammer, like things get a little bit off kilter. <laughs> a little dicey. Yeah, a little risky there. <laughs> and so um, I ended up, you know, interviewing for that, but not getting it and still getting the technology role. And so I, I did that for another year and a half, two years, and ended up getting a call from um, a company. Actually, I actually think I was putting applications out just to see what was out there wanting to make more money. Um, and I got a, a job with um, a company called Mural Consulting, which is where I ended up meeting Michelle at a little bit later down the line. Um, but I came into this job and um, didn't know a lot about it, was super intimidated by it, but ended up going through training and, and being okay, um, getting onto phones and actually doing like phone IT support for Microsoft 365 products like Word, Excel, PowerPoint, things like that. And again, I think um, the constant theme and like the constant saving grace for me has always been my personality, my ability to talk, my charisma. And so I kind of rose to the top of the ranks of the people that were on the phones because I was getting good ratings, I was getting good results, um, and, and I wasn't afraid to just take more calls and talk to more people. And so uh, an opportunity came maybe a year and a half into that job 
for me to interview for a training manager position. And I was like, hey, you know, I love attention. I love being in the spotlight. I know this job well enough now. Sure, I'll, I'll interview for it. Had a really rough interview because I'd never done training before. I spoke really, really fast and like went through my whole PowerPoint slide super quick and and not very accurately just because I was nervous and I was in a room of, you know, C-level executives that Mm. were testing to see if they wanted to give me the job. Ended up getting it somehow and did my first three or four training classes. Um, And the fifth training class that I had and the first one that I was leading all by myself Michelle was in that class. Okay. And um, interestingly enough, her story was was kind of similar. She was driving up to Tucson from Rio Rico because she had decided to go to school for her uh, bachelor's of science in IT, so her, her BSIT. And this was the best opportunity or best job that aligned with what she was studying to kind of get her foot in the door for tech. And um, we kind of just had an immediate connection and... Um, when she tells the story too, she, she tells it, um, very similar to the way that I tell it is that we kind of, I don't want to say love at first sight, but it was very, like, there was just an immediate connection there. Right. And so, um, that company had a rule where like you, the only internal company dating that was off limits was if someone directly reported to you. And so our training classes were for four weeks long. So for four weeks, she technically (laughs) reported to me and we ended up hanging out for the first time. Um, about a week and a half into training. And so like I was already breaking the rules. I was super scared for my job. So I was overly paranoid, but we just, we just connected. Um, and, uh, it ended up, you know, I think even before training ended, I had told her, I was like, why don't you just stay with me? Like you're driving how many miles every day back and forth to get to this job. You should just stay with me. And, you know, you can go down on the weekends or every, every other night or whatever, but like, let me help you so that you can keep this job and make it sustainable. And so she did, I think we, we moved in together like a couple months or a couple weeks into meeting each other. And then after we realized, okay, this is getting kind of serious. My lease was, um, coming up at that apartment where I had also had, you know, one of my buddies as my roommate, it was gross. Like, Michelle, if you're listening to this, thank you so much for dealing with us. That place was a pigsty. It was gross. And um, she put up with us. She put up with our shenanigans. And we decided, you know, hey, let's let's get a place together. Like you and I, let's go shop. Let's go find a spot. Um, and, and a spot that would be, you know, <laughs> hygiene friendly for Daniela to live in with us and like, you know, for everything to make sense. And so um, beginning of 2020, we did that and got a little two-bedroom, one-bathroom condo together. Um, Daniela moved in with us, and then, boom, the pandemic hit. And so it was almost like a big string of of time that was meshed together because we were, we were together every day, you know, by choice, and right. then we moved in together. And then when the pandemic happened, um, we went virtual. So we both were working from the house, we had Daniela with us at the house, um, and it was a big change. But that's kind of, I realized I went on a long tangent there. No. That's kind of the gap uh, between, you know, 18, where I was working, what I was doing with my time, uh, and how I got to the point of, of meeting Michelle. Um, and so... It moved fast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a lot, and it happened very quickly. Um 
all the while, again, still, still, you know, medical marijuana was a big part of my life for all of that time. Um, and then during the top golf years, I had some pretty severe anxiety mm. where I, I just kind of came out of nowhere. I'd have panic attacks, anxiety attacks, um, to the point where, you know, like I think it was maybe a year before I met Michelle, my mom and, um, my stepdad drove down from Tucson to take me to the hospital because I thought I was dying. I was like, this wow. is yeah. so bad. Right. And then when I met Michelle, it, went away. it all just went away, like almost instantaneously. So. Right. And I forgot about it. Like I forgot that it had even been a part of my life or a problem. So that was another key sign to me that I was like, okay, this is, this is the right person. You've been listening to the Healing the City podcast and part two of Stephen's story. Stay tuned next week for part three.